let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses uh, 14 through uh, 17. We've actually looked at this previously. I want us to look at it again. So, over the last several weeks, we've been looking at various characteristics of Scripture. So, we kind of began this study exploring the inerrancy of Scripture. What do we mean when we say that Scripture is inerrant? What do we not mean? Uh, we then stepped into the authority of Scripture. Uh, what does it mean that Scripture has authority over our lives? This verse that we're looking at today is actually was kind of one of the key verses that we started exploring when, when we looked at the authority of Scripture and the authority that Scripture has to, to give us commands for living our life with impressed into clarity and the clarity of Scripture. Can we know? Can we read? Can we trust what we read? Um, do, we, do we need to have a Ph.D. in theology to be able to gain things from God's Word? Uh, as we kind of explored the clarity of Scripture, uh, we see... We, see, we saw there that if we approach God's Word uh, with open hearts, open minds, that God's Spirit makes clear His Word to us. Uh, we then looked at uh, the necessity of Scripture last week. Um, instead of going into the history of the way that the church has viewed the necessity of Scripture, what I thought we would do this time is press on into another uh, another subject, and then look at those combined, um, and because they 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 uh, they're closely related, especially kind of the the way that the church has viewed them historically. So I thought it would be worth going into another subject this morning. We're going to be looking at the sufficiency of Scripture, and then next week we'll look at both the necessity and the sufficiency of Scripture, and how the church has viewed those uh, down throughout the ages. Uh, and um, so, so today we're going to be exploring the sufficiency of Scripture. And to do that, we're going to look at Second Timothy chapter three, um, where we where we kind of started this thing off. Once we get finished with this, we're going to be pressing on into another major category. So, ju- just for the sake of kind of us seeing where we're going, and just kind of a reminder of this. So we've been kind of looking at God's Word as a whole, right, over the last several. Uh, the last several weeks, and we're going to be pressing in. And when we started this, one of the reasons that I, that this is one of those areas that I was not going to move around. Like there's some in the future that we could that we could talk about timing and ordering. One of the reasons that I wanted to start first with scripture itself is because I believe that all other ideas, all other things that we're going to explore throughout this study, the foundation of those is our understanding of Scripture and Scripture guides each and everything that we look at. So um, in the weeks to come, as we start diving into the doctrine, kind of big level category, the doctrine of God, who God is, what God's doing, um, characteristics of God, His character. One of the things that I want us to realize is that in all of this, the foundation for where we should be starting is Scripture itself. Right, so that's why we've been spending spending so much time looking at scripture. Um, and today, I want us to ask ourselves this question: Is scripture sufficient for this task? Right, like if we want to know God and we want to know God fully, right? Would we need to look anywhere else outside of scripture? Like, what role does Scripture have? Is, here's a, here's a question for you. Is Scripture enough? 
to know God completely. Right? So we've said that Scripture was necessary last week for knowing God. We said that Scripture was necessary for knowing the Gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, for knowing God's will for us. Now I want us to, to kind of press into that a little bit more with the idea of sufficiency. Is it enough for us to know God completely or do we need outside resources? Do we need outside material? Right? Can we know God completely with God's Word alone? Absolutely. Can we? Now, I want us us to think about that. So, we're going to be quick to say yes. But how often do you feel like when you approach God's Word that you don't have enough to get a good enough understanding of it to be confident in in your thoughts about Scripture? Right, and I think I think a lot of times this is likely the case. I I don't think that it should be, but but how do I know that this is the case? Is I think that that most I'm, I'm not going to say most, but but many of us, and at many times, how how true would it be to say that we that we concern ourselves more about what commentaries say about God's word than what we can understand about God's word? Right? Or how, how oftentimes do we, do we put more weight on someone else's ideas about God's Word than we do our own? Right? Because a lot of times we lean on their knowledge. Why is this? I think it's because we understand what they're trying to say. The Bible, you know, is kind of hard to understand sometimes. Well, here's the thing. We said that, we said like one of the foundational pieces of Scripture is that it's, that it's clear. Right? Like there are areas where there's difficulty, right? Like um, Scripture, even speaking of Paul's writings, says there's some of Paul's writings that's hard to get, right? That takes some time digging into. But one of the primary kind of foundational things that we've been saying about Scripture is that Scripture is clear on the things that it speaks about. Right? So why is it then, if Scripture is clear, that we oftentimes find ourselves wanting to lean on others' ideas about Scripture than, than our own digging? And I believe He'll give it to us too. It's easier. I want us to, I want us to get this. The, the clarity of Scripture is not in question, right? Like, you can know what Paul said even in those difficult to understand areas if you press in. And it's not a matter, it's not a matter of it being unclear. It's more often than not a matter of our own laziness. It is. It is, right? A hundred percent. It's easier for you to come in here. It, it would be it would here's it would be easy for you to spend zero time, come in and say, Let Landon tell us what Landon thinks, and I'm just gonna believe that. Right? Why? Why is that easy? Because it takes a little effort on your part, right? Yes, because exactly like there's a part of us that doesn't want to that doesn't want to press in that doesn't want to work. There's a part of us that's very lazy, and Scripture would tell us not to be like that. Like it would say things like study to show yourself approved, right?
Right, and we'll use that as a crutch, right? And it's a crutch to stay immature. Yeah. And I'll say, and instead, as soon as I question about theology or why you believe this or why why are you so like stuck on like what Jesus did and who he was as a person, you don't really know he was a prophet. And then I'm like, Ugh, like I'm screaming. So what do you do too? Like I want us to think about when we're pressed on matters of scripture, what is your default? Your de- I would guarantee, if you're below a certain age, I would guarantee 100%, 99.99%, that, that your first response is not to press into Scripture. Your first response is to press into Google. Right? <laughs> I, want you, I want you to think about this, that there was a large majority of church history where the Internet was not a thing for them. I can go into my Bible church. <laughs> yes, yes. Now here's 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 what I want here's what I want us to get is that there are valuable resources that we have at our disposal that we have at our disposal, right? Like commentaries are a good thing. But they should not be our primary thing. Like if someone were to, you know, it's the, it's the, the one book, if you could take one book to a desert island, what would that book be? You had better not say somebody's commentary <laughs> about scripture, okay? Your, your one book had better be scripture itself, right? But here's the thing. So oftentimes if we were to look at the way that we respond, especially, okay, so I pose a question to each and every one of you. Like if I were to pose some difficult question, Let's say I were to ask you, like, was is the is the earth young or old, right? And I were to say, go look at the opening chapters of Genesis and 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 tell me if the earth's young or old. Many of you, if you left and you had some time, would go home. You'd get on the internet. That'd be the first thing that you would do, right? But you're using the internet as a crutch. What the, what the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture would say to you is that you should be able to come to those conclusions with effort spent, of course, by looking at Scripture and Scripture alone. Right? So when you're pressed, I want your default to be Scripture is sufficient, it's clear, it's necessary. I w- I'm not saying don't use your commentaries. Your commentaries are valuable resources. But what I am saying is that if you depend overly or to a to a sufficiently high degree on your commentaries to come to a to a to a firm biblical understanding of what God says about particular things, then you need to readdress that. Don't be lazy is one of the key things that I would say to to take away. Scripture is sufficient for you, and it should be your first stop. Right. Um, so for and and I actually took my, myself personally for probably like man like a decade. I like I, I I intentionally said that I'm going before I ever look at, a, at at what someone else says about scripture. I'm going to form my own idea first. Right, so like for a decade, I I would not let myself use a commentary at all. Now I'm not saying that's a good thing or that's the way that you should go, but I had this I had this idea in my mind that I want to know what God says before I start looking at what other men say about what God says. Right, so like Scripture should be our first stop. 
Because it is sufficient for us to know who God is. It is sufficient for us to know what God is doing. Right? So, first, check your actions. Do you actually believe that Scripture is sufficient? Right? I want to tell you that it is. I think Scripture testifies of itself that it is. And I think one good place to see this, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses... Uh, 14 through 17. We've looked at this in the past. Um, so this is this is Paul here writing to Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 4. I'm going to start in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, in Christ Jesus, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So we're going to explore this passage of text here. I want us to get an idea about what we mean, like what what has the what does the church mean when the church speaks of scripture and the sufficiency of scripture. Um, a couple of weeks back, we kind of. Um, we, I, I spoke, we've been talking a lot when we dig into the history about um, the Reformation being a critical point. Scripture is one of those kind of foundational pieces. One of the five solas is sola scriptura, like scripture alone. And this is, I think, I, I want to bring that up. I want to mention that as, as kind of one of these these pillars of our of our uh, of our faith. Because when we think about how do we know who God is, I want us to be confident that Scripture alone is our source for truth about who God is. Right. In such a way that that all preaching is subject to examination through God's Word, right? Like, I'm not the final say about truth if I'm standing in a pulpit. Right? I think a lot of preachers blame bad sermons on the Holy Spirit. They said the Holy Spirit led me here, and, and in fact the Holy Spirit did not lead them there. And how do we know if the Holy Spirit is leading? How do you know if what I'm saying is from God? You examine it by Scripture, right? Scripture alone, right? So I speak truth in so much as I speak truth about Scripture. Right? So if I'm claiming to speak truth about God, you'd better be asking, where do you find it in Scripture? So when, when the church has spoken about Scripture and the sufficiency of Scripture, this is kind of, uh, of an idea of what we, what we mean when we speak about Scripture being sufficient. So the, the sufficiency of Scripture means that Scripture contained all the words of God he intended his people to have at each stage of redemptive history we're going to explore that a little bit and it now contains everything we need uh, God to tell us for salvation for trusting him perfectly and for obeying him perfectly so one one thing that I want us to, that I want us to consider about the sufficiency of scripture when we think about what it means for scripture to be sufficient I want us to understand that this applies all the way into the past. So so long as Scripture has existed, it has existed in a way that it is sufficient for salvation, for uh, trusting God perfectly, and for obeying Him perfectly. Even though if you rewind, if you go back, even to the point that we're looking at what Paul's saying to Timothy here, what do we know that he is speaking about and what, do we, what can we conclude that he's not speaking about? 
concerning Scripture here when he speaks of Timothy. What, what Scripture existed at the point in time that he's writing to Timothy here? That Timothy would have been raised up in. The Old Testament, right? So, so when all that existed were the first five books, the first five books were sufficient. Right? So God has, throughout redemptive history, added to Scripture. Up to the New Testament edition, now we, 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 the, the canon is closed. We expect no new Scripture to be written because we see God working through history and major redemptive events. And from these events, like the Exodus and out of the Exodus, what happens? God starts writing. God starts placing down these words. And at the point that Moses is writing... The, the Scripture that he's writing is sufficient for the people of that day to know who God is, to come to salvation in the work, in placing their faith in this God who's doing these great works throughout redemptive history. At each phase along the way, as scriptures, as scriptures added to as God continues moving, at each point it's sufficient for salvation. It's sufficient for faith, for knowing God, for trusting Him, for obeying Him all along the way. To us today, we have the full canon of Scripture before us. It is sufficient for everything necessary for the Christian walk. Right? There is no need for us to have to go outside of Scripture when it comes to knowing God. You need no one to tell you who God is because you have Scripture before you. Right? Inasmuch as if someone has taught you to read, once you can read, you can know God without others telling you who He is, right? Scripture is sufficient for knowing Him. Now, Scripture would also tell us that we are to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, like not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But Scripture is sufficient for knowing God, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. So, so the gospel must be preached, right? So the gospel must be preached. But for you, right, like your foundation of truth should be in no man, right, in no preacher, but in God's word, right? Like God's word is the is the central focal point of Christian living. Do you want to know him? Do you want to know how to walk closer to him? How to follow him more faithfully? The starting point for the believer is in God's word, right? And everything else is a blessing to the believer. Right? If you were isolated on an island and, and, and you were, you were there with only God's words, you have more than enough to know Him. To walk with Him. Right? To commune with Him. Right? Scripture is sufficient for that. But now, as believers, we can come together. These are, these, are, these are the blessings of God towards believers, right? What we're doing here is a gift of God to us, right? So we can communicate about what Scripture says, but we should let Scripture be that focal point for us, right? And Paul says this in uh, 
chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So one thing that I want us to see here as we consider about learning through Scripture, because we're going to see that it's the sacred writings in verse 15 that he's speaking about here, is that is that Scripture is sufficient for bringing us into a place of firm belief, right? A firm foundation Scripture provides for us. I want us to get this, that, that you can know God and you can trust Him, and not in some way where, it's que- where you question things, but Scripture is sufficient for giving you a firm foundation, right? So you need not have that commentary to survive. That commentary can be beneficial. It can speed things up for you, but don't let it become a crutch in so much that you that you neglect scripture itself, right? So like example, like I as as I'm teaching this class, as I'm trying to lay out this this study which is a multi-year study, right? One thing that I must guard myself against is saying, I'm going to go and see what Wayne Grudem said. Right? And I'm going to spend my, my, the majority of my effort in what Wayne Grudem said instead of what Scripture says. Right? So like, as I'm preparing to teach, I need to remind myself of this. Is that I can do, like, systematic theology can be done with Scripture alone. Right? It can be. Now here's the great benefit, the great blessing of the church and men of God pressing into God's Word is that we can work together to quickly press on to a depth that we would take that would take us significantly longer without the help of others. Right? So like as I'm as I'm thinking about the systematic theology book that I'm using kind of as the outline for this class. Right? I need to, I need to think, how can I leverage it in such a way that I can press in quicker, more faithfully, more reasonably than I would be otherwise having to go and do what this, what, what guarantee you took this man years and years and years to do. Right? Like, we're standing on shoulders in some sense. Right? But let's not, but, but because we have that benefit, let's not think that we could not do it without it. Right? So that's one of the things that I want us to think about, that I want us to consider as we consider the sufficiency of Scripture. Is all that we're going to be doing over the next several weeks, months, years, Pressing into systematic theology, like, let's realize that it's the depths of Scripture that we're trying to dig and dredge up here. Not what someone else says about it. So as we're pressing in, let's consider these things. Uh, let's consider the Scripture itself, um, because it is, it is sufficient for us to come to a firm belief in who God is and, and what He's done. But it's going to require effort on our part, right? It's going to be something that we have to press into diligently. It's something that we will learn. But as for you, this is again 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So we need to continue in what? 
in in this in this firm foundation, in this understanding of, of where this truth comes from, these these sacred writings that he speaks about here in a second, knowing from whom you learned it, and from your childhood and, and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So so Timothy here has has teachers and he has the scriptures available and this is this is afforded for him a, a firm foundation, a firm belief. Um, and what does it say about these sacred writings here at the end of uh, at the end of verse fifteen? It says these sacred writings which are able to uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith um, in Christ Jesus. So Scripture itself sufficient for us to ta- so here's here's one thing that I want us that I want us to get uh, when we think about Scripture and the sufficiency of Scripture. Scripture is not sufficient for you. To learn the sciences, right? Scripture is not sufficient for you to be a mathematician. Like, like Scripture has a has a has a focus on what it's intended for, and it's sufficient for those things, right? So it's not to say that Scripture speaks to every matter, but the matters in which Scripture speaks to, it speaks to us in a way that's sufficient. For us to come to the a full understanding of those matters as 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 it is intended by God for us to have, right? Um, God does not want God not, does not want us, and and because of our limited nature, we, it would just necessarily be impossible for us to know everything, right? But the things that God wants us to know, primarily Him and a saving knowledge of Him, Scripture is sufficient. For uh, for us there, it's also sufficient as we continue on and think about uh, what we see in verse uh, sixteen here. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? So it's sufficient for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So when we think about these things, and we kind of when we looked at this, we looked at a particular verse um, in uh, Matthew. We looked at Matthew chapter twenty-five when we were talking about the authority of Scripture. And how uh, how Scripture speaks to us in a way uh, that it is authoritative in teaching, in reproving, rebu- rebuking, correction, and training for righteousness. And here's what I want to kind of add to that, to bookend it on the other end, is that it is sufficient for that as well, right? So if we want to be taught, we need nothing more than Scripture itself to teach us for reproof. We need nothing more than Scripture itself, and this is a place that I think that we should be very that we should be uh, very careful. So, it is very easy for people to lay on you laws that Scripture does not lay on you. True, yeah. the Pharisees were well known for having done this, right? Like the the, the Jewish Jewish institution of Jesus' day had done this. He had they had laid on the people laws, rules, regulations, practices for life for which Scripture did not speak. And we do that in a lot of ways today as well. And I want us to be. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name any ways that I think that we do that, but I think that we do. Right, and I think we need to be very careful laying weight on people that Scripture does not lay on them. Right, condemning an example of this. So, like for for Paul, um, as he's as he's writing uh, 
to kind of the, the, the people of his day, there was this transition from many of the Jews coming from, like, you don't eat these things and you can't eat these other things, right? So, um, so, we we get an example we get an example of this where Peter even tells God himself like I'm not going to eat that that's unclean and God's like don't call unclean what I've made clean like so like in the New Testament we see where where um, where certain people would not eat certain things or they would not drink certain things because because of their their conscience sake and and we see well if that if it's your conscience then that's fine but what but what we see in particular is those who who had weak consciences about certain matters were pressing those matters on people who didn't in such a way that scripture did not give them right to do they would say you should not eat this thing but there was no scriptural support for that Right? Or you should not drink this thing. And there was no scriptural support for that. So I think we need to caution ourselves. And you, like, this is why I say that scripture itself should be that place that, that you let be the foundation or the backstop for which you gain an understanding. So like, if someone tells you that you're doing something, that you're doing something wrong or in error, do you believe a person or do you believe scripture? Right? You should believe Scripture. So then if that's the case, right, then it's critically important for us to go there first, right? So like as as preachers, as teachers, as, as just brothers and sisters in Christ, as we think about Christian living and as we see other brothers and sisters in Christ living in certain ways that we may not approve of, then what we should be doing... Right now, if they are in error, if there is clear, clear examples within Scripture that, that this is sinful, then, then Scripture commands us to go and to reprove and to take Scripture and to, 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 to reach out to brothers and sisters in situations like that. But here's the, let's make sure that we understand Scripture in those areas, right? Let's be let's be let's be certain that we have a that we have a solid understanding, not a doctrinal or not a uh, denominational understanding, because these are going to be some of those areas where denominational differences might come into play, and we might look at a brother or sister from another denomination, and, and or they may look at us and they may be like, "You playing music in church, or this, that, or the other, and these are sinful things to do, right? Like, where should we base that understanding? Where should they base that understanding?" Understanding. Scripture is the foundation for which we rest in these things, right? So let your conscience be cleared through Scripture or be convicted through Scripture, right? So when it comes to reproof, where is the source of truth for reproving? It's the Holy Spirit working through Scripture, right? So let let us be let us be uh, and as well for correction. So if we say you should not live like this, you should live like this. We should be able to give an example to the negative and to the positive. You shouldn't live like this because Scripture speaks in this way about that particular matter, and you should live like this because Scripture speaks positively in this manner of living. Right? So when we go, when we approach brothers and sisters in Christ um, to correct, to reprove, let us do that with Scripture, right? 
Because if you tell me I'm wrong and I think that I'm right, I'm not going to believe a word that you say because I respect myself more than I respect you. (laughs) Right? You're the same way. Right? You're the same way. This is why we always tend to think that we're right. But if you're going to think in that manner, you should be ready to be reproved by Scripture. Right? Now, if you come to me and you're like, Landon, I don't think you should be doing this, or I do think that you should be doing this particular thing, and you bring Scripture to me, what happens? Right? The Holy Spirit works in us in ways that your words cannot. So I may think that you're right all the time, but the Holy, or that I'm right all the time, but the Holy Spirit has a very particular way of showing me that I'm not. Right? In a way that you could never do. Right? Yes. Yes. So when you... And this is why it's important, especially in matters like this, of of reproof and correction, that we bring Scripture to bear here. Because when you tell me, I think that I'm right, the Holy Spirit can in fact convince us otherwise. Right? And He does that through properly dividing God's Word. Right? Um, so let's let's keep that in mind. So um, so scripture is sufficient for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Right. So God's word. If you want to know how do I live righteously before God, you need look nowhere else than Scripture itself for this. Scripture is sufficient. If you want, if you want to walk and live in righteousness, live holy before your God, you must. It is critical for you to be in God's Word, right? Because it is God's Word through which the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and changes who we are. Scripture is sufficient for this, right? We are blessed that we get to come together as as believers freely and openly here in America that we can share with one another that we can that we can fellowship fellowship in God's word fellowship in the preaching of God's word as we go and share in in this opportunity but as we do when a preacher stands and preaches to you do you close your book and just trust what they say or do you dig in and listen for the holy spirit to speak to you Right? Do you work to rightly divide God's word? Right? And 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 the and the preacher who stands, we 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 need pray for him each and every day that God works in his heart so that he can do as we should when we approach a commentary or when we approach Christian literature that we that we rely on or that we stand on to kind of trampoline us forward in our understanding. We should always one. Uh, dig in to know that, that it's trustworthy. Dig into Scripture to make sure that what that author or that writer is writing or saying about Scripture, in fact, is backed up by Scripture. And when we hear a man preach, and we hear a man preach and say, Thus saith the Lord, he had better be saying it from Scripture. Right? He'd better be supporting it from Scripture. Scripture is the only place that he should be planting his life. Right? And as we go in, let us go in praying, seeking, so that the efforts that he has put in can help drive us 
forward faster than we could do it alone. Right? And that's what we do when we come together. When we come together in, in settings like this, when we come together in, a, in, a, in, a, in the sanctuary to, be, to listen to preaching, it is not simply to be, uh, to be fed in, in some like passive sense, but it is an active process that we should be engaging in. Right? So when we're listening to preaching, we should be looking at God's Word, focusing on what the Scripture says. It is the Holy Spirit, not a man who changes your heart. And He does that through the preaching of His Word, through the reading and studying of His Word. And His Word is sufficient to bring us to salvation, to bring us to firm foundations where we trust God perfectly, and to bring us to firm foundations from which we can stand and obey Him perfectly as well. So as the, uh, as the Reformers uh, placed before us the idea of sola scriptura, so too we stand in that reality that Scripture alone is sufficient for us to know God, to trust Him, and to obey Him. Um, so we're going to close with that.